I'm Caro O'Shea, the coordinator of the Membership Voice Project, and I'm pleased to welcome you to this evening's presentation about our presenter. Amanda is, as I mentioned before, Assistant Governor, and she's in the business of helping entrepreneurs. So she brings the perfect spirit into Rotary. She has 15 years experience in brand marketing and communication. She's worked internationally. She's a proud Rotarian and 2016 was awarded a Paul Harris Fellow from Rotary District 9800. Amanda has travelled internationally with Rotary and has spoken at many events on how to activate members and in particular millennials. And I'm sure that some will recall the, the fantastic presentation that she did at the last convention, which has been very well received on Membership Voice. Amanda is a current Vice Chair of the Rotary International Communications Committee, District 9800 Assistant Governor for Stonington, Rotary Club of Melbourne Membership Director and a past president of the Rotary Club of Melbourne Park. So at this stage, I'm delighted to introduce Assistant Governor Amanda Wint to tell the magic story of the Rotary Club of Melbourne and membership. Over to you, Amanda. Thank you so much for that introduction, Caro. And it's really lovely to be on the webinar this evening. And we've um, we've had lots of chats sort of on the phone, and that so it's nice to be able to to bring our conversations to this to this type of forum. Um, as Caro mentioned, I'm here tonight just to share with you some of the initiatives that did recently um, win the the Rotary Melbourne the the award for the District 9800 membership award for engagement, um, and hopefully it provides you with some of the new ideas and will get you thinking differently about, I guess, that overall membership strategy. I'm really keen to get to the questions and have a discussion with everyone that's online as well. So I won't talk for the full half hour, I promise you. So this past year at Rotary Melbourne, we've really focused on ensuring that our current members, so regardless of how long they've been with the club, are engaging with Rotary in a way that best suits them. And that's really has been so much at the heart of what we've done. Now at Rotary Melbourne, typically sort of over the last few years, our membership has sat at that 245 to 260 mark, depending on the year. But I mean, really, whether you have some 25 or 250 members, you have to plan for membership. You know, members, as I'm sure everyone who's on this webinar is aware, you know, they don't just drop out of the sky. They certainly don't drop out of the sky for Melbourne. You know, we've got, we've got to work really hard to, to get members and to, and to keep them. And when I say we've got to work hard for them, I mean, we've got to be really strategic about how we attract, engage and activate our members, even though, you know, we do have, we do have a very healthy club numbers. And I visit a lot of clubs um, with the various hats that I wear in Rotary, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to say I'm kind of constantly surprised at how many don't have a membership plan. You know, I sort of see clubs that have maybe one or two, I'll say, tactics for getting new members, and they might do a club health survey once every couple of years or something, and then that sort of seems to be really it. But obviously, without those members, we don't have a club, and without a club, we can't serve. So clubs really do need to start thinking a little bit more strategically and different about membership than what they currently do. And yes, it is about getting new members in the front door for Rotary Melbourne, but it's also ensuring that our current members aren't leaving by the back door. So it's not one or the other. It's, it's absolutely both for us at Melbourne Rotary. And over the last uh, 12 months, we've, we've undertaken several new initiatives, which I'm about to go through to improve that engagement throughout the entire membership cycle. 
and it's certainly not a, a one-year plan or a one-year focus. We're continuing to improve on these even in this current rotary year and, and looking at completely new areas as well. And it certainly um, it requires collaboration with other portfolios, in particular public image. But um, what I'll do is I'll uh, take you through and share with you, like I said, just a couple of those initiatives that were the key, I guess, of, of us winning that District 9800 award. So as the club's membership director, I sort of, I, I look at membership across of these key phases. So we've got the onboarding, engagement and retention. And when we're looking at onboarding, I'm, I'm looking at that from like from a potential member to the first 12 months of their membership. And this phase, this onboarding phase is really one that's full of excitement. It's full of what's possible. So it's about quickly delivering on a promise that you've made to these new members about what Rotary is. And it's also about making them feel included and welcome. And the engagement and retention obviously kind of go beyond that first year where we keep learning about the needs and expectations of members, where we also focus on delivering what are often changing expectations about the Rotary experience and helping them to experience Rotary beyond the club. And there are many different initiatives that you can take in, in these three phases, but and, and we certainly have over the years in, in Melbourne, but I'll focus specifically on the six that, that we've uh, implemented and have got really great results with. So firstly, so firstly, we produced a whole suite of brand new, this is the new collateral that we did, and it did talk, I said, directly to that value proposition of membership four key target markets and in this case we've got corporates young professional and retiree so that were the three ones that we really wanted to focus on and and just as an fyi so our corporate members include uh, they include ghd morgan stanley uh, scalzo foods brotherhood of st lawrence pwc and monash university and what we really did was looked at what it is that melbourne can promise these groups of people in terms of the membership experience whether that's delivered in-house or something that we could facilitate through the broader rotary network. So for corporates, it's very much about uh, being an employer of choice and, and having an avenues in which they can develop their up-and-coming talent and providing some of those volunteering opportunities and certainly increasing their corporate social responsibility. The young professionals, it's about having, again, an avenue where they can develop some soft skills that they may or may not necessarily have the opportunity to develop in the workplace. And this is a very technically kind of an ambitious age group. So they want to lead projects and they want to gain that very valuable board experience. So we recognise that Rotary was a really perfect avenue for them to do that. And finally, the retirees, they've, they're obviously transitioning from their working life. They want to create a legacy of doing good in the world. They want to continue to lead, learn, meet new people, and mentor younger members as well. And they also want to do a lot of travel and travel with some purpose. So these were kind of the messages that we uh, pushed through our new collateral. And that was also pushed through uh, conversations that we were having with people and certainly also on social media and supporting collateral as well. So collectively, they told a very distinct yet coordinated message about why Rotary and why Rotary Melbourne. So this here, I just want to show you too, is um, an example sort of that 
coordination of the collateral. And this was actually an event that myself and Ian Evans, who's with me there with the banner, we attended an AMP lifestyle event where we had an opportunity to speak with 200 retirees about volunteering through Rotary. So we were, we were really lucky. We were the only ones at this particular event that, that were sort of in that volunteering space. As you can see, there's people there that were selling alcohol. There was a travel company there as well. So we had stiff competition. <laughs> um, but it was really good that we had the opportunity to be to be the only volunteer organisation there. But the point that I want to make specifically about this is that is is Ian. So when we're there talking to retirees, I mean Ian is is actually someone in our club who is within that pre-retiree phase of his life. Now I personally can talk to anyone about Rotary membership for hours, but in this particular context with this particular demographic, Ian has actually got the one with the most influence in this particular room because the potential members can see themselves in him you know, and making the proposition of Rotary for retirees is, is far more relatable when they hear it from him than what they do if they heard it from me. So similarly, it would make more sense for me to talk to millennials or corporate clients. So, it, you know, it really makes a difference about who is presenting the membership offer. And we had lots of inquiries that day as well from people I might add that we followed up on. So that was a really good Day. And I have a feeling that a lot of the, um, probably a lot of the superannuation funds have very similar events that they're holding for clients. So I recommend clubs having a look into having a look into that one. So second of all, the, the next initiative that we did at the beginning of the last Rotary Year, past president Mary Barry actually introduced a new members mentoring program. So for a club of our size with about 150 projects that are going on throughout the year, you know, it's obviously it's challenging enough just getting your head around Rotary, let alone our club. So as of May, which was the, the final count, we had 16 new members who were all actively involved in this mentoring program. And I have to say the feedback has been really exceptional. And the mentoring program is probably one of the most successful club initiatives just across, across the board from last Rotary year. And the idea behind this, this mentoring program, I mean, yes, it is about helping them navigate Rotary and, and, and being sort of inducted for, for want of a better term, but it is more so about us getting to know these new members and ensuring, like I said earlier, that they're having the Rotary experience that they're coming to expect and that we've promised them throughout all that collateral. So each new member is actually assigned a, a mentor as part of their induction. And the mentors in our club are a senior, and I say senior in the context of experienced Rotarians who actually undertake specific training for this particular role. And the mentors and mentees, they sort of touch base regularly, whether that's over the phone or in person, sort of whatever works best for them. And the mentors really keep, a, keep an eye out for opportunities for those new members throughout the year to get involved with, with areas of interest and they encourage them to get along to, to certain events and get them involved in, in committees where, it, you know, they're keen to, to engage and learn more. So it's really, it's, it's really just having someone looking out for around, like really quite intensely looking out for these new members within that first 12-month period. And I wanted to show you a couple of, a couple of pages from, just the first couple of pages from our mentoring form. There's a, a few other pages, but these I think are the, the most kind of important for the point I just want to make because I see all the time and it's to be honest it's even happened to me that when sort of a new member walks through 
the door, the club, you know, gets all excited and, you know, they kind of, they say, you know, with your fresh perspectives and, you know, the skills you bring, like they kind of start rubbing their hands together and like, hey, we've got a job for you, <laughs> which in my opinion is, is, is kind of, it's backwards, right? I think the clubs need to, and certainly this is what we've tried to do with, with this form as demonstrated here, is that we're all about providing value to the members first and foremost. Because we know that if we do that, then in return we're going to get a member who appreciates our club and wants to help out in other ways. So these first pages of the mentoring form, as you see, are totally dedicated to learning about the member and who they are as people, as their interests and so forth. And so 25% of our new members that went through this particular program last year have actually taken on leadership positions within the club this year, which is really quite, really quite extraordinary. We're also particularly proud of our efforts as a leadership group and club to adopt a code of conduct. And I know that a lot of clubs have, a lot of districts in particular do sort of have these code of conducts, but we decided to sort of take it, to take it sort of one step further because we wanted to ensure that it's, it was more than just the members. It was members, guests, volunteers, and our project partners. We wanted them to know that they were volunteering in a, in a safe and inclusive environment and that they could continue to enjoy a really positive volunteering experience with us. And we really saw this code of conduct, to be quite honest, as a very natural evolution of the four-way test and the ideals which we have, as members have long respected and very much valued. So it's not just a code of conduct as a standalone document. There's actually also a grievance procedure that supports it, which outlines sort of roles and responsibilities and, and escalation processes where, where appropriate. But you know, as I said earlier, there, there are increasing sort of community expectations that we need to respond to in clubs. And we're, we really saw the introduction of this code of conduct as one such example of that. And our district and several other clubs from around Australia have actually already expressed a real keen interest in following our lead in this space, which is really quite encouraging. It probably shows that, you know, a lot of clubs have been looking at potentially this sort of thing in the past and for whatever reason, maybe haven't been able to implement it. But we've got one at Rotary Melbourne that we're more than happy to share with clubs for them to adapt and modify to their particular needs. So the next step, we've also started to transition to an account management model for our corporates. And as part of that, we conducted a 180-degree feedback, which has really generated lots of new project ideas and, and sort of increased collaboration and support. So myself and a couple of people from the club actually went and visited each of the corporate members and sat down with them for a coffee with the sole purpose of really learning more about their business priorities and how we can support them with their priorities. So again, it's, it's us really looking about how we can deliver value first and foremost to our members, whether they're just a, considered a, a regular member or a corporate member, it doesn't matter. It's all about how we can create this value and deliver it. And it's just a little bit of, I guess, of an insight. There's really no one universal way that we engage uh, with our corporate. So some like GHG and Brotherhood of, of St. Lawrence, for, for example, have actually developed projects in conjunction with our club that align with their broader business purpose. 
We've got PwC that really kind of look to our club to provide more of the so, so the hands on the, the ground and in local areas to, to support their national homelessness initiative. We've got Morgan Stanley and they kind of look, they look after our investments as a club. So each, each experience is, is really individually crafted and, mar and managed, hence needing to kind of look at this from an account management perspective. And I've got to be honest, we really haven't fully leveraged the relationships with our corporates yet. I'm still convinced that there's so much more that we can do in this space. And, and we'll continue building on that this year. But certainly having that, going to their workplaces, having those face-to-face -face meetings, continuing to build on these relationships and, and asking the right questions too and getting great insights has been a real terrific start in, in revitalising some, some of those partnerships and some of those ideas. And as an example, so following, following those conversations, Morgan Stanley ended up supporting the 2019 International Women's Day Breakfast that's held annually at Crown and, and attracts about a crowd of a, a thousand people, I think it was this year. And Monash has committed additional resources to the Entracoma project, which everyone I'm sure on this call is very, very familiar with. So they're fantastic outcomes from, from that particular initiative. Our membership engagement strategy, as I've said, is primarily focused on ensuring that the members are involved, are as involved as they want to be in areas that best suit them. And this has resulted in, without a doubt, an enhanced membership experience for both new and more experienced members, because the aim is to be able to balance the pursuit of one's own passions whilst also helping the club, because at the end of the day, we all still have to run a club. <laughs> And as we know, you know, sometimes as part of being a member of the club, you have to do step up and help out and do things that, you know, probably aren't your preferred or maybe not even your second or third preference of what you might like to get involved with. But it's part and parcel of being a team player and being a member of the club. So it's important that we ensure that, you know, we balance, we balance that kind of volunteering experience as much as possible. So similar to the 180-degree feedback that we conducted for our corporate members, we actually also conducted a membership engagement survey for all our members. And we ended up having, and I hope that this will work, we actually ended up having 49% of the club that participated in this survey, which is actually really kind of huge for us, huge for us when you consider that you know, we do have a large section of our membership that, that is sort of ageing and not necessarily online and, and, and available to kind of respond to that kind of membership survey. So to get 49% of, of sort of the rest of the membership is actually pretty much, you know, is a, a significant chunk. And the whole idea about this survey was to discover untapped skill sets and cause-related interests. And also to promote the volunteering opportunities within our club. Like I said earlier, we've got like 150 projects that run in some way, shape or form throughout the year. So <laughs> we're fortunate that we've actually had someone in the club that's collated all of those. But realistically, you're never going to know that half of those exist unless someone sort of puts it in front of you and sort of makes you aware of it. So we used this particular membership engagement survey for that joint purpose. So to, to learn about our members, but to educate as well. So yes, we got to list our skills and interests 
we were all encouraged to provide a link to our LinkedIn profiles. Um, we shared, which I thought was really interesting. We actually shared whether our current level of engagement was satisfactory or not. So it it was a, an, a question of, do you want to do more? Would you like to do less? But then also in actual fact, do you want to change it up altogether? And I thought that was a really great question to actually ask people because I actually said, yeah, no, I would love to change it up altogether, <laughs> which if you'd asked me that question before the survey, I wouldn't have been aware of that. So it was really quite good. We also got to nominate the projects and committees that we'd like to find more information about or get involved with and, and provide any additional feedback. You know, importantly, though, once we got the responses, Every single person who, who mentioned something specific, you know, has been followed up and we've referred them to the, the correct committee or the correct person so that they can actually uh, get involved in the way that, that they wish to. And I think that's, you know, important. We we've tend to, I think, sometimes as a, as a board or a membership committee, we'll take these responses and we sort of look at it from an overall point of view or maybe take out overriding key things but never actually go that additional step to make sure that that uh, we, we follow through on, on every single person that responded and any club can conduct a, a similar survey really quickly and, and cheaply really through a through a no to low cost web-based service and I do have to shout out to our member Mark Pinoli who actually set this one up for us it ended up being quite uh, it's still very very easy in the end but it was nice and sophisticated with how we could put our our skills in and how that was all recorded. So I'm very appreciative that he did that for us. And finally, the last initiative that we did, so, and just to put this in a little bit of context, so we already have a team who keep track of everyone's um, attendance at lunches, committee meetings, volunteering events, anything that they volunteer for at a district level, et cetera. So we actually have a fairly good sense of who in the club is engaging with Rotary more broadly on, on, a, general, on, a, on a general and regular basis. And we've got club members that are assigned to actually reach out and touch base with individuals if we haven't seen or heard from them for, for a while. And that's a process that's been in place for, for many years. But kind of to follow up from that then, you know, sort of despite that, despite that, I, I guess, that tracking and, and that touching base with people, you know, we do get members who for a range of reasons wish to resign. And, and I'm sure everyone appreciates this. It normally happens when the, the invoices are issued each year. <laughs> but, you know, we started then actually offering exit interviews to all the resigning members to better understand not just the club's strengths, our potential blind spots as well and how that works for us in the club is that I'll send a, a note sort of offering to, to meet for coffee or to chat with someone over the phone and I really like to learn about sort of the areas that they've been involved with and, and get a sense of their volunteering history and engagement with Rotary. I like to find out as best I can about their, their real reason for leaving Rotary. Some people are more upfront about it and others you have to kind of work a little bit harder to, to get the real reason behind that. But I also do like to ask them where they personally sort of see the opportunities for our club in the next few years because I like to always continue in that conversation even though theoretically they're, they're exiting out of our club. I still want them to 
in that conversation to be seeing about the opportunity and the possibility that our club has got. So I try to keep it, that element of it as positive as possible. And I've got to say on several occasions, we've saved members for one of a better term. And we've actually offered to put some people through that very mentoring program that I mentioned earlier. And so, and we're starting to really crack that open now. So not just for new members, but for, uh, you know, uh, general members to reconnect them and to re-engage them with the club, because some people have been away for 12 months and there's been so much that's happened in the club from, you know, from since they've, since they last connected that, you know, we're confident that we can find something for them to get excited about and, and certainly to get interested in. And at this point as well, I think it's really important to just point out that when we're talking about retention and when we're talking about exit interviews and people departing from our clubs, that this whole thing is it's bigger than your actual club. So several members, whilst they have resigned from Rotary Melbourne, they they either have or they're in the process of transitioning to a brand new Rotary club. So where appropriate, I've actually facilitated the introductions for those members because I really want them at the end of the day to continue their Rotary journey. And whether that's with us, fantastic. If it's with someone else, fantastic. You know, some people, that their reasons for, for leaving Rotary Melbourne, which I'm sure is a very familiar story and narrative across other clubs, is, you know, they're moving interstate, you know, for whatever reason, the club isn't the right fit for them. And, and I, I find that perfectly okay. But I do really very much see responsibility of ensuring that that we, uh, you know, with our, with our members, that they find a club that best suits them. So that's why I'm really excited as well, just while we're in the membership, <laughs> talking membership to see all about these new membership models that are emerging across the space. Because I think the more options that we have for people, the more that we can connect them in a way that's right for them. That's all I sort of had in terms of those particular six initiatives, but I'm obviously happy to start taking questions if Looking at your members who leave, how do you manage your Rotarian alumni? In other words, your past Rotarians. It's an area that's often neglected by clubs. We do have an alumni chair. And I, we probably, again, we could do a lot more in this space. We certainly keep them on all of our mailing lists if there are major events that we think a few of them would be, that we've got those kind of personal relationships with we will invite them along where appropriate. But it is a really interesting question about what we can, how we can engage with them more. We could do it better, to be quite honest. What's the gender mix at, uh, at Melbourne Rotary? So we have just, I think, 26% of females. So that's slightly above the Australian average. Ever so slightly, but I think it's yeah. And it was only um, it was only about three years ago where the the goal, the stretch. It's interesting. The stretch target was about twenty twenty one percent at three years ago, and now we're sitting at twenty six. So I think that's oh, fantastic. so. You, so you've really so you've really improved in that area. Yeah, absolutely. And the the majority of the um, I've, the majority of the, I don't have the exact figure in front of me, but the majority of those new members that we recruited last year were female. And what's the take-up rate? I mean, obviously, in a club of established club with 260 members, it's a little different to perhaps to a smaller club. But how many of those new women members have been able to take up things like board level or perhaps project leadership roles? 
Yeah, quite a, quite a lot of them actually. So we've got we've got um, we've got several members that are actually leading leading different committees. We've got another we've got another young female who's currently taking on. Actually, she's one of the she's one of my membership chairs, and I know that she's uh, been eyed for a potential board position in the future. So there's there's succession planning that's already um that's already kind of going on with with those new members because we are there's so much potential. Mm. Mixed and and people of the fact that you know like I said we've we've got twenty five percent of those new members that have signed up to take on leadership positions this year. We're looking to capitalise on their enthusiasm for sure. Yeah, that that momentum is really important. So how many mentors do you have, and what does the training involve? Yeah, so we've got about 15, 15 mentors at the moment, and we're in the process of training a handful of new ones as well. So it's about a, a day's worth of, of training, and that's led by past president Mary Barry, who in her in her work life has has led very similar initiatives. So it's just it's for them to have a sense of I guess a sense of expectations, but also the role of a mentor versus kind of the role of a coach, you know, and being able to to make that distinction, yeah, and making them aware of certain things like that. So. It is about a day's worth of a day's worth of training, and our mentors. And it may not necessarily be the case going forward as we keep training, training these experienced members to be mentors. But at the moment, we've had, uh, you know, a mentor might have one or two or three people that they're that they're looking out for. We've got 150 projects. How many members are actively engaged in those projects? Yep. So we have um, so so for our meetings each week, we probably get around sixty people that are showing up to that. So that kind of gives you a sense of of how many are showing up each week. But the engagement levels across the board. So we probably we've definitely got about sixty percent, I think, that are actively engaged in 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 quite in quite regularly. But yeah, look, I mean, and it all you know, it all it all depends too, because I said we do have a very um a large portion of, of that of the membership that are that are aging and we probably aren't in a position to help out in ways that that they would like but you know certainly their contribution to years years previously has been extraordinary so we've got I'm I'm quite happy with and actually it turns out that that, that females are the ones that, are, that in our club that are the most engaged in that particular group as well so so, so the uh, uh, the reality that seems to apply everywhere else that that twenty that twenty to twenty five percent female membership uh, is sort of contributes way above that that percentage in terms of the club's operations. Yeah, absolutely. What leadership training does Melbourne Rotary offer? So, obviously, that mentoring that mentoring program I think is really great in terms of training the mentors because that's something that people can take and apply to so many different areas of their life, which is really fantastic. We're really quite good as well at um, like we send people to RLI and 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 everything that the district puts on. We're massive, massive supporters of that and and have been for quite a while, which I think is incredibly important. We're also really good at sort of um, there's a very good sense of, of of succession planning. So all of our presidential train are all on the, working off the same three year strategic plan. There's a real big sense of how we get 
our younger members like like myself I mean I said I'm on the I'm on the board of Rotary Melbourne for this is my second year now they're also already looking at you know who who else can come up in the ranks in terms of you know sort of young young females which is really great and they're very very mindful of that so there's a lot of just succession planning that's going on in various committees and across the board within our club which I think is 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 really good and part of that part of that leadership mix because we've got to be honest and we were talking this about this at the start weren't we Kerry we've got some really fantastic uh mentors in that club just in general like there's so many people that I have learnt so much from just even sitting at, at at a board meeting and being having the opportunity to look at how because about half the half the board are either CEOs or ex-CEOs and for me I mean that's such a wonderful leadership experience to sit there and and just see how they chair a meeting and how they and how they do it and how they apply all the governance frameworks and you know how we look at our investment strategies I mean it really is a fantastic learning environment and we can't underestimate those particular things I think we take a lot of the work that we do in Rotary for granted and you know you just can't because for someone for someone like me and particularly for the younger demographic we love that sort of stuff. So picking up on that looking at you personally in in a uh, what is obviously a a club that has a lot of corporate movers and shakers in it could you just build on what really I think on what you just said about that exposure that you get to seeing these business leaders in action? I think that's uh, a big one. Yeah, absolutely, and I think, um, and I think the the reason why I, I appreciate I, I appreciate the exposure so much is that the people within Rotary Melbourne are incredibly generous with their time and with their knowledge, and they're incredibly respectful of everyone's journey and path. So, at no point have I ever felt in Rotary Melbourne like my that my vision or my ideas you know, weren't warranted and didn't have a place. So it's a real, just, it's actually just a general, very safe space to be able to share, share ideas and, and have discussions and conversations. So I think that kind of environment just means that it's, you know, there are people that you end up just sitting down and having lunch with and they're, they're so open and so warm and welcoming and you can have, you, you can, can kind of ask them anything and you can, we have social groups as well that we, um, because the club is so big and the members are based sort of all around Melbourne, not necessarily in one particular geographic region. We have social groups where we get to kind of go into people's houses and have lovely dinners and, you know, and all that sort of thing contributes to getting to know some of these movers and shakers on in ways that quite honestly probably wouldn't have the opportunity to do in any other environment. And I think that that's, and, and again, it's not just, I mean, yes, we do tend to have, a large, I guess, group of those people in Rotary Melbourne. But again, it's, you know, I'd say that about people across my whole district, we've got people like that. Yeah, and again, it's one of these things where we don't, I think in Rotary, we, we almost don't either recognise it as a, as a really big selling point or if we do, we don't talk about it enough. So the flip side of that is that, that one of the things that makes Melbourne attractive to you is that you're taken seriously by these guys? by these men and women absolutely absolutely that's one that's about participation that's often kind of overlooked that younger if if younger participants aren't taken seriously then they're not going to feel part of the uh, part of the game part of the organization 
Yeah, and I'm look, and I would say that's that's been my experience with Rotary across the board. So we're it, it is very very crucial, particularly yeah. if particularly if, the, if particularly if like a millennial is sitting in their current workplace and for whatever reason they're not getting the opportunities that they are expecting to get in their in in that corporate environment. I mean, Rotary then becomes such a crucial outlet for them to kind of flex their muscles and take on some of those leadership positions and and kind of prove their worth for want of a better term where they may not necessarily don't or don't for a moment assume that they're getting that in their respective workplaces so I think rotary is just a perfect outlet and it's to to be like that and to do it in a safe and it's in a safe and, and, and encouraging environment as well I mean you know, we're Rotarians. We, we, we wish everyone well. We're about lifting people up, not putting them down. Yes. So I, it's a really, um, yeah, again, that's, that's been really crucial for me because I haven't necessarily myself always felt that in particular workplaces, but I could always go to Rotary. Glenda's question slash suggestion is, a, is about training all Rotarians, particularly those who engage with Rotaries, training them all as mentors so that they can do, the, do some of the kinds of development and engagement sort of activities that you've been talking about at Melbourne with our Rotaractor community. Would that be a reasonable approach? Yeah, why not? Yeah, absolutely, why not? Any tips on facilitating change with senior Rotarians who aren't keen to change with the times? Yes. So the way that I've always, and this is just from my personal experience, the way that I've always approached that is to go in it and, and be always very respectful of those people, their place in the organisation of what they've done. Because the change isn't necessarily about wiping out. It's not about wiping out the history. It's about us all going forward together. So I'm always really, really mindful of ensuring that those particular people get the appropriate recognition that they deserve for, for getting the clubs to the stage that it is currently in. And it's, you know, it's sometimes it's easier it's easier to do than others, but I often I do a lot of stakeholder engagement, stakeholder and community engagement, and I always find that a lot of the time these people, they, they feel like they just need to be heard. <laughs> they don't feel appreciated. They don't, maybe don't feel appreciated, just need to be, you know, need to be heard. And, and I um, and it's about asking the right questions sometimes too because and working out what the actual problem is. Mm. <laughs> I mm. think sometimes we try and go and solve the wrong problem potentially. Exclusion can lead yeah. to to some interesting and uh, at times sad manifestations. Yes, it can for sure. But yeah, so that's kind of how I've always approached the engagement with more traditional minded members. And if you do it in a respectful way, you know, I mean, you might have to work at it sometimes a little harder than others, but you just got to chip away at it. Looking at your corporate memberships, organisations that have staff who are corporate members of Rotary Melbourne, how many staff from your corporate partners volunteer to work on those 150 projects? Because corporate membership has been shown to be a good opportunity to get people, these staff, in to volunteer. At the moment, and this is sort of, I've flagged this in the presentation that I see that there's a lot more that we can do in this space and, and that's definitely one of them and exploring what that looks like. The staff of those corporate members tend to, for example, you know, with, with Monash building the trailers for, for Entracoma, I mean, that's very much the, 
they get the stuff just works on that project. They don't necessarily come and volunteer with other things. We might get one or two that come and help us with it around the bay, being a marshal or something like that. But in terms of their involvement with other things, it, that is absolutely one of the areas that we're looking at this year, how we can facilitate that more. Because our corporate memberships are set up so that we have about four people that end up being kind of designees and they tend to be the very, very senior people. So it's a very, yeah, that's, that's absolutely the next thing for us is how do we then engage that next level down in some of these projects? But yeah, there tends to be sort of what whatever project they're working with us, whatever is what they do. Like the guys from GHG, for instance, we worked with them to install some water water pumps over in the, the Philippines. That was something that they uh, weren't able to do on their own accord, so we helped them with that. So therefore their staff just went and kind of volunteered with that. Your membership engagement survey experience sort of tends to point to response rates as being one of the things that can stymie surveys. What was the participation rate? So we, we yeah. So we had forty nine. We had forty nine percent, which good. we were very happy with. Yeah. Hmm. Right, well done. What sort of social media campaigns do you run, and how many members participate? I wouldn't have an exact figure, but we do. The majority of our members are actually online and and are active. So so that's not really. And we've got we've got a team of people that look after the social media as well. So um, it's not just relying on one person to do all the posting and so forth. We're quite lucky in that regard. I know that not all clubs, you know, necessarily have that. So they're quite no, they're quite they're quite good on that. But we we're like every club. I mean, there's always there's always room for us to keep improving in different areas. And, and this year is where we're actually looking at as I'm working closely with the public image chair about how we actually do a digital strategy, which not only promotes the club and their activities, but also has specific calls to action in the membership space as well, using, you know, the exact same value propositions that we've, that we've already developed with that collateral that I showed you. So it's just how we keep repurposing and keep pushing those same messages out through as many channels as possible. Do you have any advice on how to give feedback to struggling club leaders without diminishing their confidence? I'm one of these people that just looks for the for the absolute positive in in everything. I don't um I don't I don't see any benefit at all of kind of focusing on. I, I believe you, you know if you got to be watch what your language is because you can easily create a self fulfilling prophecy. So for instance, and I'll say this because I know that it's that's only going to returns. For instance, when people get up and say Rotary's, I hate when people get up and say Rotary's dying because I'm like. Well, if you keep saying that, well, then we will. So mm. I kind of tend to go for in any conversation with leaders, it's it's really focusing on, on the positive of what they do bring to the table and always pushing them to the future and what is possible. Always kind of doing that future pacing thing and, and getting them excited about what it can be instead of kind of dwelling on the negative past or whatever it might be. But that's sort of my – other people would have, I'm sure, different ways of looking at it, but I'm always – very big on always always looking at the positive and, and what's in it for them as well because if you're trying to get them to sort of behave in a different way I mean you really there's no point in sitting there and sometimes and, and coming at it from your point of view you've got to really see what's going to motivate them and, and what's going to be the key thing to get them I guess more engaged in the right direction. At the end of the day a club is really only as successful as the set of relationships that underpin it. 
I'm totally convinced if, if, if clubs realised that that it, it was it's about the members, it was about the members and, and the members' needs first and foremost, and then the club actually gets everything that they want. That's <laughs> a little theory that I have. I guess I, I see I see clubs approaching like like the example I gave in that presentation. You know, when a new member walks through the door, we instantly you know once we find out that they've got a particular skill set or something, for instance, like they can do social media or marketing or whatever. You know, it's like oh great, well you can come and help us with this. It's like no like don't don't lead with that never lead with that you know lead with what is it that they're interested in doing and how can we help yeah. you you know it's that delivering the looking at looking at mem- members member needs first and club yeah. needs second that's it because you know i mean you, you never i mean there are people who love their job and there are people who like to go home and leave the job at work exactly well that's exactly um, and, and that's and that's a trap that we fall into as well because rotary has traditionally been about bringing whatever skills you've got you know into the mix which is all well and good but you know hey there are sometimes like in, in the days in melbourne park I, there was a girl and she was an accountant by trade and i'll tell you what by the time she got to rotary the last thing she wanted to do was more accounting she, exactly. she wanted to go and have you know experience in marketing and do basically everything that she couldn't do at work and, yeah. and you know we can help facilitate that club leaders especially the club president have their most important job for the year as they watch them the members sort of swimming around the rotary scape above them is to work out how they can help all those people to really enjoy their rotary experience yeah the rest is secondary to that yeah, I would agree with that. I, I, that's certainly the approach I took when I was president of Melbourne Park. I was all about just like, how can I make sure that everyone's getting what what they want out of this? But then on the flip side of that too is I made sure that there was that there was at least one thing that I that I personally got out of the year too because I thought if I spend the whole a whole year making sure that everyone else gets what they want <laughs> you know there's got to be I've got to also make sure that I get at least an experience that I'm looking for as well so yeah I I definitely approached it like that it was yeah I had a list I had a list of all the club members when I was president and I you know was meticulously taking notes throughout the entire year about things that people had expressed interest in or what they'd done and you know it was all about connecting them to the opportunity and making sure that they were um yeah, getting the, the chance to do perhaps stuff they hadn't previously done, which was great. Big thank you to Mandy for a fantastic presentation from Adrian. So Thank uh, you, well, everyone, and thank you for those questions were really, really good, and I'm glad that we can have a conversation about it. And I think, like I said, you know, it kind of doesn't matter if you've got 25 members or 250 members. We're all, all the clubs are on very, very similar, you know, in experience curve and learning curve, so it's really nice to be able to jump on something like this and and, and share that. Amanda, you've done a, a, an absolutely fantastic job tonight. I knew you'd be good, and you've ex- you've managed to exceed my expectations. So, uh, thank you, thank you uh, from from all of us, and for those who, have, who will be accessing the recording. It's a great job. Thank you for having me.